Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Welcome to the Cannon Cast, a weekly podcast from the Cannon, an Espedition blog about the Columbus Blue Jackets. I am Will Chase, joined tonight by Eric Seeds and Pale Dragon. What's up, guys? Suffering through allergies, but uh, otherwise I'm good. Vaccinated, woo! Are you guys uh, excited for Gonzaga and Baylor tonight? Yeah. Also, yes. Should be a really good game tonight. Yeah, see, you don't often get, you know matchups in the final that are you know pretty much the two best teams coming into it so uh that's always always a good game when it ends up being that so i'm looking forward to it i ended up tied for second in my bracket pool after i was 18th going into the weekend ended up second and now i'm like trying to get my money back at the very least and hopefully win the tiebreaker and get the whole thing or as much as i can you know who uh you know who's not you know who didn't have a strong weekend the columbus blue jackets oh that's a segue hey (laughs) oh yeah so we'll go ahead and start right there so it's funny you could almost make the argument their week was still better than the week before that because they actually won a game last week against tampa and almost won a second game and then that all that went out the window in florida or at the panthers more specifically Maybe not quite the no-show against uh, the Panthers as it was against Detroit, but it's basically waving the white flag at this point. Am I right? Yeah. So, well, yeah, you're, you're right that it was a better weekend than the previous weekend because th- there was at least a, an effort from the Jackets this time. And actually, I mean, like, if you look at the underlying stats on Saturday. I mean, they outplayed Florida for the majority of that game. It's just that in the eight minutes that Florida was playing better, Florida scored three goals. And that's just, even at their best, this version of the Jackets is not able to score goals in bunches. So that's frustrating. But yeah, I I think it just underlines what we already knew as of last week, which was that, yeah, this is just not a playoff team at the moment. And I think the sooner that they can accept that, the better, because as we're recording this, we're a week away from the trade deadline. And uh, they've got some hard decisions to make, but they need to make them quickly and just accept the fact that uh, this season is just not going to end up the way they expected. And, you know, that's okay. It's not the end of the world, but it means that they need to accept that reality, make a few you know, minor changes now, collect some assets and start preparing for the offseason. 
Yeah. Right. So coming out of the two losses to Detroit, I had kind of written the playoffs off of this season. Like, you, you know, it's hard to it's hard to imagine that this team is going to bounce back and take enough points down the stretch to make the playoffs and make this interesting down the stretch, given the no show in Detroit. To their credit, against the Lightning for two games and on Saturday against the Panthers for 80% of the game, they played well. You know, they 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 sustained some pressure. They played pretty good defense. You know, Elvis looked pre- Elvis looked pretty good. They they weren't getting results really, but the the play was there. You know, now granted, they they. For a couple minutes, they didn't play well against the Panthers on Saturday, and that ended up with an Alexander Winberg hat trick, the first of his career. You, you never really want to see the uh, if 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 that didn't mathematically eliminate the team, but for all intents and morale purposes, that eliminated yeah. the team when when Alex Winberg scoring hat tricks against you, and then on Sunday afternoon, that you know they just didn't have it. They they, they decided to go back to uh, twelve forwards and six defensemen. Thankfully, uh, you know, generally icing forwards when you're struggling to score goals is probably going to help you in that effort. And it didn't. It's, it, the, the hockey team just looks lost right now. They they look they look. They, you can tell they are getting visibly frustrated on the ice when things aren't when they're not potting chances. When you when you get a power play, you can t- when they get a power play, you can tell they have no confidence. It's it's kind of just playing out the string at this point. This the season hasn't gone the way they expected it to. So now we're just kind of looking forward to how things change at the deadline and kind of re, hopefully retool on the fly and come back next year. Yeah, you're right. It's demoralizing when you have, you know, 47 shots on goal, which they had on Saturday. That was their highest of the season. And they had two goals to show for it. And those goals didn't come until they were already down big. Um, and, you know, this kind of stretch... I said, if you you know if you squint, you can see signs of promise. I think you can see over the last two weeks that this they were pl- with the exception of the two Detroit games, which are inexcusable. But the Carolina series and then the last week down in Florida, you can see that okay, they are playing now the way that they want to play, the way they're supposed to play. They're they're being a much more physical team. They're kind of imposing their will on teams. They're controlling play at the pace they want to have it at. You know, all of that's going well. They're just not getting. The results consistently, but you know, if this were a normal season and we were thirty games in, we would be in like early December. And if you look at last season, I've got the the schedule pulled up from last season, and yeah, in November things still weren't happening consistently, but there were signs that the team's kind of starting to figure things out. And then it was in like mid December that things finally started to click, and they finally started to get wins more often, and they were getting games to overtime at least, and they got that point streak going, and they got their season back on track. The problem is there's only 16 games left now and there's just not enough time left to turn it around because they've got ground to make up. They've got a number of teams ahead of them now because it's not just a matter of catching Nashville. You also have to worry about Chicago and Dallas. And there's also just the fact that there's has not been, they've not shown that they can string together wins in a way that would be sustainable to, get them to the finish line. Right. You know, they're not, there is right now, as we sit recording this, they're as close to Detroit as they are to fourth place, which is, yeah, which is never really where you want to be heading down to the, down the stretch in the playoffs. And like you said, they just can't string together wins. And in, in a normal season, you know, you might be able to find some guys, you know, like you said, we're 30 games into it. They might be, they might be able to round into an offensive form, but with the trade deadline, 
four games away right now. There's there's not really that time. You kind of have to make your decision, and the the play the the results on the ice have dictated where this team needs to go the rest of the way. Yeah, at, at some you know they they might have discovered rediscovered how they want to play. They're slow in the game, or they're they're controlling tempo. They're playing physical. They finally discovered a forecheck, but they just lack that offensive, or they lack the offensive cohesion to mm-hmm. score goals. They lack enough talent to do it consistently. They've got some talent on this roster that's just it's just playing inconsistently right now. Patrick Line is like one one goal and three assists in his last twenty game twenty odd games here. Hmm. The, the talent they have is not playing well enough and the they don't have enough talent to carry them throughout the rest of the roster when that when their high end players are not performing well. The results on the ice have kind of led them here and they there's not really much else we can do. It's just I was listening to 31 thoughts earlier today and it's like, yeah, and they and Friedman and Chris Johnson were basically like, yeah, this the Columbus Blue Jackets by virtue of results have to be sellers. You know, there's yeah. no there's no real point in this team trying to add to go for the playoffs because they're, they have so much ground to make up and so many teams to leapfrog and such inconsistent play that it's just unlikely they get there. Yeah. It's like, I don't, I don't look at this blue jackets team. Obviously playoffs is probably definitely not going to happen. You might as well try to get something for guys like Dozado, Savard, O'Reilly Nash, according to 31 thoughts. They even said the goalies, they could be had potentially. I don't know if that's going to happen in season, and then, and then Nick Foligno, he might not be traded due to basically emotions, but give him a chance to win a cup, and I guess he can still sign back in the offseason. In general, get what you can for any of these guys. Yeah. So, and, and I, I saw an analogy this weekend that I thought was really good. Uh, it was posted on Twitter by Steph Driver, who oversees the NHL blogs at SB Nation, and she manages Broad Street Hockey. And she mentioned that she was looking for homes and saw one, and she complained to her brother, like, oh, well, yeah, it's it's all right, but I'd have to have to gut it. And he's like, no, you wouldn't have to gut it. Like gutting has a specific meaning in real estate where you have to really strip it down to the bare parts. He's like, there's just a lot of things in that house that you want to fix, but you don't have to gut it. And so then she made the comparison to the Flyers because they're in a situation where their season's falling apart like ours is. But And I think, yeah, the Jackets, we don't – this isn't burn it down like some people say. This isn't we have to gut this team. I think there are still plenty of pieces – on this team to build around, but there is some retooling that needs to be done. There are players whose contracts are expiring, who pretty clearly are not going to be part of the team next season. So go ahead and trade them now to a contender and get some, some assets in return, whether you're going, whether those are draft picks that you're going to use or the, to, you know, to draft a player or whether you're going to use to trade for a player, like it's still additional capital that is good to have, you know, by trading those players, it opens up opportunities for youngsters who have been getting inconsistent playing time, like Stenland, like Foodie, like Bemstrom. You know, get those guys in the lineup consistently. Uh, Andrew Peak, maybe. Like thirty-one thoughts this afternoon mentioned, David Savard and Michael Delzato are near certain to be gone by the yeah. trade deadline because they're they're defensemen that have value. Obviously, Savard with Nashville getting back into this, David Savard is probably the most sought-after defenseman in the NHL right now. That means the Jackets could probably get a pretty penny for him at the at the deadline here if they can, you know, instigate a bidding war. It's been rumored. Winnipeg is in on him. It's been rumored Tampa's in on him. Florida's probably in on him after you saw Aaron Eckblad go down. If, if if the Jackets can you know kind of start a bidding war, they might be able to get get some real prospects. And if and then if you want to or some real 
you know, asset man or asset capital going forward. And like you said, you can pe- you can use those to draft the you know future prospects because our pipeline's pretty bare right now. Or you can maybe package those together for a center in this offseason because this team desperately needs a, a top six center to uh, try and get Patrick Liney going or try and stabilize the lineup up, up top. So yeah. there, it, it'll be really interesting to see what happens at the deadline here. But it's pretty clear that the team has players who have value to other teams who are in a position to make a run at a Stanley Cup. And the Jackets would be wise to sell off those assets here going forward. Yeah, because more... More or less, this team, they're not going to be any better for having Delzato, Savard, Riley Nash in the lineup. I mean, the for the last lost. dozen games or whatever. Right, yeah. right, right. I mean, if you can get draft picks for these guys, do it. Right, 120 minutes of Riley Nash down the stretch. Does this roster or organization no favors going forward? Now, the uh, the Felino situation that you brought up, that's really interesting. Um, I'm curious to see how they handle this. I think the way it is handled... Uh, I think will have an impact on the organization's reputation um, because it's important that they do right by the player because Nick Felino is a guy who I think is very well-liked and well-respected around the league and everyone knows what he means to the Jackets. Uh, Aaron Portsline had a, had a tidbit in his Sunday article that I thought was interesting that mentioned that other teams are not actually talking to Yarmo about Felino because that would be considered like disrespectful to even ask which I guess kind of makes sense because if you're a GM, you don't want teams asking about the players that are your most important players or the players that mean a lot to the franchise. You know, you you kind of want to just enjoy having the player without having to constantly fend off requests for them. But but it said that, you know, once Felino and, and Yarmo have a discussion, then Yarmo could put him out there and have talks with the other teams. And that once that happens, there will be a market for him. There will be interest in him from other teams. They're not asking about him, but they would want to be in on him if he's available. So I think that's a conversation that Yarmo and Felino need to have very quickly so that he has the time to get this done. And then yeah, do it in a way that is beneficial for both sides. You know, yeah. send, send Felino to a place where he wants to go. Which team does he want to make this run with? Maybe, you know, make a handshake deal, you know, unofficial, but like, hey, let's talk this summer, right? And maybe even start to think, hey, just let's get a rough feeling. What what kind of contract would you be okay with to come back? You know, you can't do that officially, but just have some idea about what conversations could happen in the summer and just do it in a way where everyone comes out of it looking good. Like everyone will understand that, okay, Felino gets to go to a place where he wants to go to chase a cup. The Jackets get some assets that are going to help them long-term. And then in the summer, there'll be some indication as to, whether there's going to be a reunion or whether that's just going to be it, but have them part on good terms because he's a player that has meant so much for the team on the ice, off the ice, in the community, could have a future with the team after his playing career is done. But just, you know, let's not burn any bridges. If everything is handled well, then I think that will signal to other players, whether they're in the organization now or whether they're acquired in the future, that if you commit to the team, if you give to the team what Felino has given to the team, that the team will take care of you in the right way. You know, yeah. I think, you know, players, obviously they care about money, right. they care about winning, but also if you're committing long-term, you want an organization that is going to do right by you. Just like, you know, like we saw how Jeff Carter was upset with Philadelphia because they traded him so soon after he had signed a long-term deal there. So, you right. know, you don't want to do that kind of thing to a player, but you know, a player like Felino, if you're going to 
treat him the right way, then that could be assigned to a guy like Seth Jones, who feels to me like a very similar type to, to Nick Foligno in a lot of ways, a lot more talented, but uh, similar kind of kind of personality and, and a similar leadership role in a team that if he signs long-term like Felino did, that he is going to get to have the same kind of path in terms of his control of his career that Felino has had. Right. I think, I think what, you know, now that they're off this road trip and they're back home, hopefully Nick Felino and Yarmo have had this conversation because it would behoove the or it would be in the long term benefit of the organization to trade Nick Felino for assets going forward. I mean, that's just the way that's the way of the land at this point. It would be it would be beneficial for the organization to trade Nick Felino because he does have value there. It's rumored that teams are in on him. Uh, Toronto's long been rumored. Uh, I saw something over the weekend that even Colorado might you know have kicked the tires on him or just consider kicking the tires on him for a cup run. You know, it, it would be beneficial to the organization to see that a player who's long been here, you know, was done right by, and it would con- it would kind of stem the tide of former captains being traded out of here on unceremonious terms. Like, you know, Rick right. Nash left. We had the uh, the Adam Foot situation uh, before that. Lyle Odeline, Ray Whitney. They, they, you know, it hasn't really been there hasn't ever really been an acrimonious parting of the ways and it would be nice to at least see a captain go out on his kind of his own terms at that point even if the organization you know says hey we'll negotiate with you in the offseason and if it works we'll bring you back and then it may not work out if he goes and wins a cup someplace and performs well well so be it good for good for Nick Felino and you know both sides can know they parted amicably if they especially it'd probably go a long way if they release statements on a trade and say hey you know thanks for my time here but you know it was mutually beneficial that we we you know we made this move at this time we discussed my options and this was best for me and my family at this time those those kinds of gestures i'm not so sure it means a lot for you know guys who might want to sign here like i'm thinking specifically of patrick line because i'm i remain extremely worried about what goes on there i don't know what this organization even thinks about him at this point it seems at this point it's going to be an arbitration or some sort of deal in that scenario or a one-year deal but i you know we 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 want we you want to see the organization do right by players who've long committed here i know it's a business but felino has been a good ambassador for the organization in the city so it'd be it'd be nice to see if he is going if this is it for him in the sweater at least for now it'd be nice to see him kind of get a nice little send off and go out on his own terms to a team that he can conceivably make a run a legit run with yeah the the ramifications of how that's handled is a good point and one that maybe i didn't think too much about but it's a very good point you want to especially the reputation around the league and how he is seen and how it can impact future acquisitions so that's a good point today's episode is brought to you by cars.com With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hello, I'm Neelai Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. 
it comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, so I, I also noticed that Liam Foodie was sent back to the taxi squad. And I was also curious about your guys' thoughts on Jack Roslovic because he was scratched, but also Torts kind of called him out after that Tampa Bay game in which he basically said tons of effort. He loved the way everybody was pretty much playing, but didn't seem to like what Roslovic was bringing. So I was curious what your guys' thoughts were with that. Yeah, so I was actually okay with him being scratched for a game because – uh yeah he on thursday it was a good effort in tampa but his line was invisible and he's been he's been mostly invisible in recent weeks after you know a hot start to to start his time here so i i think it's reasonable to say like yeah give him a game off to watch the game from the press box have a different view of things just kind of get a breather get a reset that sort of thing like that's totally reasonable now what i didn't understand and i ranted about this in my recap of saturday's game is stenland had been scratched on thursday which i strongly disagree with and don't understand so if you're scratching a center put a center back in the lineup and instead they went with 11 forwards and seven defensemen and that's i I don't uh, there's a lot of levels on which I don't understand that. But one thing I wonder about that is, you know, the Dubois trade was was a big one for Yarmo. Um, that, you know, this is one of his prize assets, a player that he, you know, shocked the league by drafting, but turned out to be a great pick. And then, you know, he had to trade him, which I think everyone realized, like, hey, hey not his fault. You know, player demands a trade. You got to make the best of it. I think a lot of people thought that, hey, he probably did as well as he could have in terms of what he got. You know, he got two intriguing players. He got an elite scorer in line A, and then he got Roslovic, who jury's still out on who he was, but like, hey, you get two players for one, you know, that's that's a that's an interesting haul. And yet, in this time that those players have been here so far, both of them have ended up in Torts' doghouse. And it is so critical to the franchise that those players work out because Dubois was such a critical player for this franchise. So I do wonder now, Yarmo, I don't expect to trash Torts publicly, but I wonder privately how he feels when he sees Torts clashing with those players, but both those players who have had their flashes of being very good for Columbus and who could be long-term pieces for Columbus. And yet here they are sometimes getting benched or getting scratched. And, you know, it's like you get this fancy sports car and then your teenagers driving it into a tree. <laughs> like, uh, it, it, are they being used in the right way by this coaching staff? You, you have to wonder. Ross, my my thoughts on the Roslovic. So I, what sucks is he's scratched. You bring him back in, and then you play him twelve minutes on Sunday afternoon. Like you, you bring him back to play. You, you played twelve forty seven. He got thirteen shifts over the entire game. You know, had he had two shots. Uh, 
wasn't didn't perform well in the face-off circle, but like if you're trying to make a point about effort and hustle, I am so beyond Torch's little mind game nonsense. I cannot begin to express it. I cannot fathom what goes through your brain as a hockey coach when your team is struggling to score goals that you decide to ice seven defensemen against a team led by Sasha Barkov and Jonathan Huberdeau and is playing for number one in the NHL league standings. I cannot grasp the galaxy brain nonsense that is going through this coaching staff's mindset and like you said it it just encompasses the entire weekend in that like on saturday you've got you're icing an extremely conservative lineup they have a chance to win but they can't suddenly can't score goals wonder why and then and then they're lit up by alex winberg and then you try and you know bring the bring your centers back and uh, you give one, you give arguably your most talented center on the roster in Roslovic. I don't know how you want to classify Max Domi in this because Torx has said he's basically not a center and then played him at center and then doesn't again. But then with like three minutes to go, Seth Jones is like looking off Patrick Laine, who's wide open, begging for the puck in the Ovechkin spot. It's like none of nothing about what happened on the ice makes sense. It just looks like. There's no cohesion shift to shift. It's it's so incredibly frustrating as a fan to watch because it seems like the mess the message of how this team wants to play from game to game changes. Like you you, you had Torts come out and say we're going to be an ultra defensive team and we're going to focus on being really 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 a you know a tight checking team. Didn't you do that 25 games ago? Like it 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 seems like there is no cohesion there's no coherent message it just seems it seems like certain guys are being punished when other guys are you know i don't i don't see anyone coming out and criticizing david savard the only player to go minus 3 on the roster yet on sunday afternoon but he's but you know he's we're showcasing him for a trade so he can't be scratched he can't you know it's it the inconsistencies of how of how standards are applied and the inconsistency of the message from shift to shift, from player to player, from game to game, have just worn so thin that it, I can't. I, as a fan, can't stand it. I can't imagine how some of the players on the roster can stand it. Like I'm just ready for a reset, and I can't. Im- and I have to imagine some of the players in the locker room are as well. Yeah, it's needed for sure. Yeah, I think you see the play. The players do look a little. The players do look like confused and uncertain. And there's a. Everyone looks like they're overthinking it. A bit, you know, they have to think about what the next play is to make, as opposed to just making the play, you know. And and they're gripping the sticks too tight, and that's also what happens too when you're starting to play a little bit better, but the shots aren't going in, and so you try to push harder to try to make the shots go in, but that just doesn't work. You have to just be loose, play the game. And Torts is not a guy, unfortunately, who, who fosters that environment where players can just play loose and just play the game. That's just not right. his style, and it's certainly not the way he's been doing it this year. I do want to though. Before we wrap up, to have one slight silver lining in all of the line blending, he's landed on one that that might work out here finally for Patrick Line. Line, Domi, and Eric Robinson. Uh, that has been a line over the last week, and they've looked pretty good. It's not producing many goals yet. I think Robinson got one, but but I think it's. If they, they stick, keep that together, I think it's on the right path. And Patrick Laine, for all of his struggles, he, again, he's still not scoring again yet, but it has looked like a different Patrick Laine over the last week. I don't know if you guys feel the same way, but to me, he looks a lot more engaged, 
we're seeing that effort there that I think Torts is taking notice of. Um, and I think that if he keeps playing this way, if his line keeps playing that way, that eventually it's going to get him going. And he's the kind of guy, and we've seen this with Cam, like scorers can be very streaky. And, you know, when they're cold, they're ice cold. But then once something clicks for them, and it could take a bad bounce, like a fluky goal kind of thing, that can set them go. That can get that confidence up, and all of a sudden we can see the Patrick line that we hope to see. Um, and Domi, I think we we you know from the minute we acquired Line A, we thought, well, put Domi back at center and put him and Line A together because Domi is one of these guys that can pass at the level needed to set Line A up for his best shot. And yeah, sure enough, like yeah, they seem to be clicking together now. I don't know why it took a month and a half <laughs> to get to that point of putting them on the same line um, to put Domi back at center and like, Oh yeah, look, Hey, if you just try to trust him at center, let him grow into it, learn the position. Hey, look, yeah. you know, just give the guys a, a chance to, to grow into it to, yeah, they're going to make some mistakes, but they're going to learn from the mistakes and just don't have them in fear of what's going to happen. If they make a mistake, I was going to say, I don't know why it took so long to do the obvious, but you know, that's, that's long been a criticism. And I, I really do hope that line stays a line for a while. I obviously have no confidence in that happening because I've seen enough of this coaching staff for the last five years, but, but right now, you know, it might not be perfect. It might not be producing the results, but it looks like a line. It looks like guys who are relatively, you know, they have they have some level of chemistry. They have some level of communication, and they Domi can draw a couple defenders. You know, Robinson's speed can force guys to you know sag back on defense, and Patrick Line is able to get a half step open and take a shot or use his physicality and try and generate a play. It's it's what you want to see as a line develops chemistry, and it looks like they are finally starting to do that so i would really like to see at least that line continue to be a thing for a little bit oh oh and the other line over the weekend that looked really great i thought was texier foodie and bjorkstrand that line they scored a goal on saturday they got kept together sunday like i thought that could be a line of the future you know and then yeah here they're putting foodie on the texas squad for some reason which i'm guessing on tuesday we'll see some maybe uh, uh counterpart move to add someone else to the active roster i don't know I don't know if that's Bemstrom or Nyquist coming back finally or something. I don't know, but that's uh, disappointing. Nathan Ger- Nathan Gerby kicked out of the AHL is now going to play in, <laughs> instead of uh, instead of uh, Max Domi tomorrow night. You heard it here first. Oh, uh, yeah. Let's not speak that into existence. <laughs> I, I, I assume you guys saw that over the weekend that Nathan Gerby was kicked out of a game for abuse of officials. Yeah, something like twenty-two penalty minutes for it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. And I truly expect Columbus to win one of these games against Tampa because they bring their best oh, against Tampa. They play up to their competition like we talked about most of the time, I guess. And then they have Chicago, who has really been scuffling. Then they have the Stars. So I, I, at this rate, though, especially with the trade deadline coming up, I wonder if Columbus can actually fend off Detroit. But who knows? I think I think they will, but yeah, I, I think they'll fend off Detroit. Were were I a betting person, I would assume this team finishes like sixth in the division. Um, they'll finish ahead. Of, I think I think they'll finish ahead of Chicago. I think the Chicago Paper Tiger has kind of fallen apart. Um, Kevin Lankinen's kind of come back to earth. That team just doesn't have enough depth or defense to you know keep it up for the entire schedule. And there's and Columbus just you know. No matter how bad this team looks, they're not as bad as Detroit on a 
night to night basis, but I don't think that there were a playoff team by any measure. I just and honestly, I, not, I think they could maybe even finish ahead of Dallas if it's if they don't finish ahead of Chicago. I think they could finish ahead of Dallas because uh, Dallas is only four three and three in their last ten. And their schedule is brutal. They don't have like a night off for they, yeah. they have, they're like every other night for the rest of the year. That schedule sucks. And I feel and you, you gotta feel for you gotta feel for the stars as an organization. Like those players have had to go through it with like COVID pause and all the storms in Texas and everything that's happened down there. You, like you kind of just gotta feel for them. Uh, on the other hand, uh, they were once owned by Norm Green, so I, I don't have to feel bad for them at all. Um, but you know, people have been saying that that uh, oh, you know, Dallas is, is four points back, but they've got four games in hand, but. We've been saying that for like a month and a half now that they've been four points back with four games in hand. So, uh, and they just have not done enough to to make up that ground when they have resumed playing. So, yeah, I, I think, uh, yeah, so I, I could see, yeah, the, the Columbus finishing sixth. I hope they finish sixth and not seventh. But uh, I think, you know, in the end, I think we'll just chalk this up to weird COVID year, the, you know, Dubois drama, lame duck coach, hopefully. And, and and reset for next year in what should be a more normal season with like a full off season, a full training camp, and, and then a, a longer season to maybe get through some growing pains. Yeah, I wonder though if the management's going to chalk it up as just a weird COVID year and keep everything in place. <laughs> I cannot imagine that is the case. They can't. They have to have seen what's going on on the ice. You know, they went they went one and five on this road trip and were outscored nineteen to nine. And line A, yeah, you have to you have to see it. Well, you know, I think and I think they know they still need help at center, and you know, you know that they're going to move one of the goalies because teams are going to want one of those goalies, and you know they were you know those goalies aren't going to want to keep splitting time indefinitely, and you're going to want to give Daniil Tarasov a chance. So flip one of them, collect assets, flip those assets, maybe get a center. Hopefully, open up some room for some, again some of these young guys, give them shots, and uh, and see what happens next year. Hopefully, with a a coaching staff that can be, if nothing else, just a new voice in the room, and maybe push some different buttons, use guys in a different way, and and get something out of them. Yeah, indeed. Uh, yeah, my final thought is I just want to wish the best of luck to everyone up in the Vancouver organization. Like I, you want you want to talk about teams I feel bad for. Um, it it was reported uh, by Chris Johnston a couple hours before we recorded this podcast that uh, Nils Hoglander uh, was added to the COVID protocol, making it seventeen Canucks. Um, not in, that doesn't include uh, staff, uh, arena people, or family members. Like that is an awful outbreak, and I feel so bad for that organization. Like that. I really hope everyone up there is okay. I really hope family members recover. I really hope everyone comes out of it all right. Like I, I legitimately feel terrible for those players. And I, you know, regardless of the effect that it has on the, on the standings or the schedule or the postseason or you know whether they can even play all fifty six games, I just hope everyone can recover and come out of this healthy. Because I legit, I mean, you hate to see this happen to any group of people and. I feel so so bad for those for the uh, the Canucks organization and those players. Like I really hope they recover and come back all right. Because yeah, this isn't just a matter of of COVID protocols. It's like they're a lot of these guys are symptomatic and apparently have some fairly severe symptoms from what the reporting has said. Uh, it's the at least some of them have this Brazilian variant of COVID. It's like way more contagious. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so it's it's a reminder that even you know fit players. And peak physical ability can can get struck by this and can have serious impacts from it. 
Uh, it's a reminder that even as things are looking more promising here in the U.S., that this is still a very active pandemic worldwide, and we still need to be responsible about it. And it's a reminder for people to get your vaccine. For those of you in Ohio, if you're above 16, you're eligible now. Um, it was, it's been hard sometimes to find appointments because there's such demand, um, and that can be very frustrating. I was frustrated early last week. So if you're in that boat, I know how you feel. Stick with it, but keep looking. Uh, there's more and more doses coming in more and more appointments that are going to be opening up with your local health department. Uh, check out the various pharmacies in your area. Um, and if you're you know, able to go get the vaccine, get it done. It doesn't matter which one. They're all effective. Just, just get it done. And the sooner that everyone gets that, the sooner that we can start to get back to some kind of normalcy. We might, you know, keep wearing your mask, keep social distancing, but um, you know, coming into the summer here, I think we'll be able to, you know, I'll be able to go out to restaurants. I might be able to go out to, you know, soccer games and baseball games. I'm sure I'll wear a mask while doing it, but I'll be double vaccinated. I'll be, I'll feel safer doing it and, and we can get through this uh, hopefully by the end of the year. Yeah. And we can, we can see all in, at Nationwide Arena in the fall. This, uh, uh, God, Lord willing, willing, we can see everyone together at Nationwide Arena. Yeah. Amen. Be sure to check us out at jacketscanon.com at CBJ Cannon on Twitter and Facebook. Blue Jackets will probably win a couple of games, hopefully, Lord willing. And uh, <laughs> that's all we've got for this week. We'll see you next week. Subscribe to the Canon Cast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you can catch every episode. Leave us a review and a rating. And as always, we welcome your thoughts and feedback. Go to jacketscanon.com for more Blue Jackets coverage from us and follow us on Twitter at CBJ Cannon. Our theme music is the song Green Eyes by Angela Pearlie and the Howlin' Moons. Check out AngelaPearlie.com for more music and show dates.